Every time I wake up and come to church, especially when I'm preaching, I'm reminded of why we're here. We're here in essence, and we do it in different ways, but we're here to to remind you that salvation is greater than sin, that life is greater than death, and that all we see is not all there is. Today, I want to do this. I want you to turn to Matthew 8. Some of you just knew on Palm Sunday we were going to Luke 22. We're going to be in Matthew 8 today, and we'll get there uh, in a matter of time, a few minutes probably. But I want to talk to you today about what we don't see. And just because we don't see it doesn't mean that it's not real. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, old school country music. And I'm probably not alone, but maybe the only one that will admit it. I like all genres, okay, not here judging, not isolating, not labeling or categorizing here, but just like some old school country music. The young guys, you know, you can have that, but I like some of the old stuff, and uh, I go back to the 70s here. I bet I'm not the only one that likes this song uh, from Charlie Daniels, who died about five months ago, but uh, there's a lyric from the song, The Devil Went Down to Georgia, and you all know it. The Devil Went Down to Georgia, he was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind, and he was willing to make a deal. What I love about the song, two things, the fiddle, that's good, but also like the fact that it's biblical. He was looking for a soul to steal. We're here today, we're here every Sunday to say that salvation is greater than sin, that life is greater than death, and that all we see is not all there is. So I'm going to put up four words, I've thought about these for you this morning, I'm going to put up four S words. And I want you to think, in a moment, I'm going to get a show of hands. If you don't have too much pride, you may raise your hand or at least think about it. If you don't raise a hand, then, uh, man, life's, what, life's grand for you right now. But seven, uh, I'm sorry, four S words. Sad, scared, my typo, struggling, and uh, suffering. Sad, scared, pretend, just do a little dyslexia thing. Sad, scared, struggling, and suffering. Of the four... Well, let me, let me ask it this way. In the last 12 months, just show of hands, have you experienced to some degree one of the four, if not all four? But have you dealt with any of the four in the last? Now, keep your hand up. I know we're going obvious here, but just look around for a second. Uh, you're, you're not alone. You're not alone, but my challenge today on Palm Sunday leading into the darkness uh, that Jesus had the power over, he had power over darkness. He experienced darkness and took darkness upon himself. But for you, for me to not, hear me, for us to not properly identify the source of these is uh, to be misidentified in our, in our, in our sadness, in our scaredness, in our suffering, in our struggling. To misidentify, there's a good chance that you could spend your whole life not not understanding these negative emotions and experiences and you could spend your your whole life uh, in the wrong battle on the wrong team and the source the scripture tells us we see it on the screen here the source is an enemy that is real the the greatest arsenal the greatest weapon in the arsenal of our enemy is death and this week we worship him and honor him and remember that he defeated it. He defeated death. So question for you, have you ever uh, recently, not ever, but recently, have you been out among the stars and tried to count them? You looked up and you put away your digital device or whatever distraction or amusement uh, grips you so often and gets your attention for the most part and just looked up at the, at the night sky 
in college, back in the day, me and my buddy Danny McKinney, we would uh, have someone drop us off in West Point, Mississippi, and we would, um, though illegal and very unsafe, we would hitch a ride on a train uh, back to Starkville. And we would, it was a cargo train, not a passenger train, so we never really knew exactly when it would come, but we would, we would get out there basically in a, in a pasture in a field, and there was a barn, and we would uh, ladder up to the barn and uh, always had a few friends with us. And it was just a thing we did uh, as college guys. And I remember as we waited on the train, there were, there were some winter nights where we would look up, and it was, again, in a pasture. There were no street lights, no lights. And we would just look up and resplendent in the canopy, the night sky, or star after star. And I remember a, a very vivid, very specific moment where one of our guys, it might have been Danny or another, as we were looking up there, waiting on that train, ready to embrace a thrill, adventure, and danger. Um, and we just looked up and one of the guys said, hey, you start counting the stars over there and I'll start the counting the stars over here. We'll meet in the middle and let's see how many stars we count. And counting the stars on a, when you're in the country in a night, winter night sky, it's a lost cause. It's a lost cause. John uses an analogy in Revelation uh, chapter 12, and he says this, Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns with seven crowns on his head. His tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky, and he threw them to earth. In Revelation, anybody scared yet? In Revelation, uh, the dragon always represents Satan, the devil, the enemy, and stars always represent angels. And John is saying that when Satan rebelled against God, a third of the angels rebelled with him. And the angels the, the became demons, and they came to the earth. And so they're here now. They're here now among us. They are here today. They're watching you. They're listening to me. They might even be speaking to some of you. I probably shouldn't do this, but uh, some of you aren't going to like me. But here's a bunch of spiders. I was studying this week, and I learned that entomologists estimate, they're always estimating those entomologists, and they estimated that there's some 50,000 plus spiders per acre on planet Earth. They, it's unacceptable. They also say, I, I, I linked it over to the bug men, and bug men will tell you that they could fumigate a home, and they're not going to get rid of all the spiders. And that everybody, if you, if you extrapolate this out, that everybody on planet Earth, that you're only at most 10 feet away from a spider. I think you're safe at Fawner Church. Everybody's good. You guys at home, probably not safe. But you're safe here. We're good. But uh, amazing. And another uh, team of scientists said that if spiders decided to, if they got together, they could eat every human on planet Earth in less than a year. So don't you hope they don't get organized or get social media, right, and develop tactics for this, praying against that? But hear me now, just because you don't see them doesn't mean they aren't there. One more time, just because you don't see them doesn't mean that they aren't there. Back in 1973, a film called The Exorcist came out. The director of the film, we'll see him here, William Frankton. And William had a plan. He hatched a scheme in preparation for this film. These creative minds got to work and they thought William's own idea was the director of The Exorcist is that he would seek to follow a Catholic priest or a Catholic priest when they would perform exorcisms. It uh, went to the top. When I say the top, I mean the top of the Catholic 
hierarchy, and the Vatican approved this. And so in this, there was a lot of uh, normal, natural uh, occurrences. Uh, He almost fell asleep at the wheel at times, and uh, he's a strident skeptic. But then there were some moments that to him were inexplicable. He sent some film footage before the exorcist came out. He sent some footage that was so surreal and so disturbing to him. He sent it to nearby UCLA Medical Center to a team of neuroscientists. And the chief neurosurgeon said this about the footage that he viewed. There's a major force at work within her somehow, and I don't know the underlying origin of it. This doesn't seem to be hallucinations. It doesn't look like schizophrenia or epilepsy. I've done thousands of brain surgeries on brain tumors and dramatic injuries, and I haven't seen this kind of consequence from any of those disorders. This goes beyond anything. One more time, the chief neurosurgeon at UCLA Medical Center, known for reason, known for rational thinking, known for objectivity, says this is inexplicable. A friend of mine, John D. Jager, were on, were on a mission trip one summer and early fall in a third world country, and there was a witch doctor outside of the place where we would have to go when on our way home. And John D. Jager, uh, he studied something uh, like astrobiological physics at the University of New Hampshire. We were night and day and very scientific mind. And John and I, almost on the daily, would see this witch doctor and he would open his mouth. Anybody ever, he would open his mouth and multiple male voices would come out of his mouth. It was nothing that you could ever, look at me, it's nothing that you could ever mimic. Eyes would go back in his head. There were moments when we saw glass and blood and police, if you call them that in this country. Um, it was crazy. So, so stay with me for a second. Those of you who know me know that I'm pretty a reasonable guy, like I value reason. You'll definitely hear that if you come on Easter as we look at Jesus skeptic and investigate the claims of Christ. I, I value rationale. I myself am fairly objective. Those of you who know me will probably attest to that. But I saw it. I experienced it. And in my years, I'm not getting any younger, but in my years, I would tell you that on two occasions, I've seen some degree of demonic possession in pastoral counseling moments. Why don't we see that much in America? Why do you hear stories? Maybe it's some of you where you go and you go to a third world country, you're on mission somewhere and you see something or the local people there can tell you stories about a a visible spiritual battle that involves these fallen angels wreaking havoc emotionally in the lives of people with physical manifestations, troubling signs of obvious trauma and ill health. Why don't we see it that much in America? Hey, look, I don't have the answers. I don't know. If I stood up here and acted like I knew everything about unseen spiritual forces, I would tell you to find a different church. I don't know, but I will tell you this. It is seen and in limited capacity, I've seen it. And let me me be honest with you. We're talking today on Palm Sunday about Jesus' power over darkness. And I've never believed that darkness is more real But here's my life. My life as a pastor, I did a wedding right here last night. Tomorrow, I go to Ridgeland and do a funeral. Uh, That's sermons and baptisms and pastoral account. If you followed me around, there's a a young man who's thinking about ministry, and he called me a couple weeks ago. He said, hey, man, can I shadow you? 
Sounds creepy to me, but like he's thinking about ministry. He's got a good family. I'm like, yeah, maybe shadow me at some point. But look, if he shadowed me, he's going to see that. He's going to see weddings and, and sermons and funerals and visits and all that, but never an exorcism. But I would say to you, if you don't think there's unseen spiritual forces, if you don't think there's a real battle, I would say to look at the breakdown of the American family. You see, there's a cultural consensus in America today that all of our ills, all of our ills, all of our problems are associated chiefly with failed government policies. But there's a couple of contentions I have with that. Number one, it limits the battle, okay? Number one, it limits the battle. You heard me say in October leading up to the election, you saw me nervously preaching uh, about politics and I talked to you biblically about three institutions that God has created, family, government, and church. And we live in a, a land where we really elevate the government and we say everything can be solved there. But when we, when this cultural consensus that this is the source of evil, that it's, it's bad government policies, it's systematic structures, oh, they exist and oh, they're real and oh, we need reform but we limit it. Ephesians chapter six and verse 12, I bet a whole lot of you uh, know this one. For our battle is our struggle. There's that one of those S words. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Another contention beyond the fact that it limits, if we say it's just government alone that can solve our ills, we limit the reality of the battle. But also, I would contend with you as the, the most educated culture in the world where we can rehabilitate and educate and medicate, that if that is true, then the rationale would be that evil would be on the decline. And has anybody noticed that evil is not on the decline? If evil was on the decline with all of our capacity in a modern world to rehabilitate educate and medicate, we would see it go down. Why have we not gotten to a place of utopia? If we were there, if it was just the government, if it was just failed institutions and bad practices and what we can see with our own naked eye, then why haven't we eradicated evil? Uh, we, if we had, we could be having conversations like this today. Imagine we could, we could get together and talk and we could reminisce. We'd say, hey, remember when we, had, we used to have to lock our doors? Remember when we used to have to watch our valuables? Remember, remember when we lived or they lived in that society where, you know, they built buildings and the buildings had high walls and fences with barbed wire and guards and guns and dogs. Remember that? It housed, uh, it housed rapists and murderers and muggers and robbers and kidnappers. Remember, remember that reality. But listen, folks, evil is not on the decline. If you're aware and observed and somewhat of a keen observer of what's happening in society all around the world in this uber-educated land of America, you'll realize that evil is on the increase. God created the world and he, he created the visible and the invisible realm and the visible realm and the invisible realm are equal. C.S. Lewis, for matter perspective, uh, put it this way when he spoke about this. There are two equal and opposite extremes into which people fall as it relates to demons. One is to disbelieve in their existence, and the other is to believe and to have an excessive, an unhealthy interest in them. The demons are equally pleased by both errors. 
surveys show that 90% of Americans believe in God, but only 30% believe in a spiritual enemy. For our struggle, when this Palm Sunday leading into Good Friday and Easter Sunday, we today are talking about Jesus' power over darkness. And our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers and authorities and powers of the darkness of this world and spiritual forces in this evil world, in the heavenly realms. This is the struggle. And so today, three things about these angels of darkness and what they can do. The first is this, is that demons can manipulate your mind. Demons can manipulate your mind. When you engage in images and ideas from music and from media, from the social media realm, from video games, you're essentially creating in your mind an eight-lane superhighway, an expressway. If you're not careful, you give the enemy an opportunity to plant and, and just to propagate destructive thoughts in your head. John chapter 8 and verse 44, Jesus would say this, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and he's the father of lies. Young people, I want to say to you, when you're at a party, when you're with friends and there's that social pressure, I want to challenge you. I want to call you out and, and, and give you this exhortation to not dabble with tarot cards or Ouija boards or witchcraft, to not mess with um, narcotics and pornography. Adults, I want to challenge you. Those of you who that have experienced wounds, deep wounds from your childhood or early adulthood, and you have not made amends, you have not sought uh, health and healing from it, the, the devil and his demons can, can piggyback off negative emotions. They can and they do. Amazon, uh, every year at the end of the year, they release um, what's the most um, ex underlined or highlighted. Amazing they can do this. Y'all know Big Brother's watching. But they, they, they can tell the most highlighted sentence of what's been read on ebooks every year. And a couple of years back at the height of Hunger Games, this was the, the most highlighted sentence. Because sometimes things happen to people and they're not equipped to deal with them. That's just well written and it's true. And our minds get manipulated and we, we think we can handle things that we can't handle. The most highlighted sentence. And here's what I'm learning that we can't handle. You can't handle the divorce. You can't handle the season of unemployment that leads to bankruptcy and foreclosure. You can't handle the addiction. You can't handle being alone. You, you can't handle it. And Jesus comes, and the message of Easter that points us to the resurrection and new life is that we are loved and that we have a Father who speaks the truth, who is the truth. Jesus prayed in John 17, be sanctified through the truth. Your word is truth. And so to replace that, to be in a fight, and what I see is that so many of us are not even fighting. It's called a struggle, but we're not putting up a fight in the struggle. 
and we're just following the ways of the world, taking our cues from the crowd, and we're letting these evil forces manipulate our minds. And I see adults that are letting this spiritual battle happen, and the, the enemy is piggybacking off these negative emotions and wreaking havoc on our families. And I see teenagers and college students in particular dabbling with things that are gonna lead you astray. At my small group Wednesday night around our dinner table, we talked about a terrible scene from spring break in Miami where two men raped and drugged a woman in a hotel room and left her for dead. And I remember uh, one face, one voice in particular, our group was like, how can that happen? How does that happen? Who would do that? God created the visible world and the invisible world and the rebellion of the enemy and the reality of evil is running rapid. And when we turn our minds into an eight-lane super express highway, the devil and his demons can wreak havoc on us to replace that. Young people and adults and everybody listening in the house and at home, there's a real spiritual battle and the enemy can manipulate your mind. The second thing he can do they can do is demons will weaken your will when we speak of darkness um, this guy doesn't scare me as he has others but this is everybody recognizes this face unfortunately charles manson in the 1960s murdered nine people probably responsible for more deaths and here's what gets me it does scare me a little bit that there have been 11 motion pictures made about his life and over 50 biographies written, and they've sold in the millions upon millions. You can download a free ringtone to your phone where Charles Manson can speak to you, and millions of people around the world have done it. There are coffee mugs and keychains and bumper stickers uh, with this man's image on it. This reality of evil. And what happened? Esquire did a did a a story on him and the writer was really brilliant with some of the insight about darkness and evil not a christian but he brought some good things to light he said this one thing charles liked to say was look straight at me and you'll see yourself maybe one answer to the riddle of manson is that he reminds us of the ultimate unknowability of other people even the seemingly unremarkable ones his is the story of little red riding hood in reverse the smiling young girl at the door selling Girl Scout cookies is herself the big bad wolf and maybe hiding a dagger under her cloak. Manson is an extreme example. I get that. But it's a testimony to a slow gradual, to a weakening of a will, to letting be and to looking away and to continue to see this weakening. And so I ask you today, when we think about darkness, to appreciate resurrection, to appreciate new life, to appreciate salvation that Jesus gives and his power over darkness and the ultimate weapon in the arsenal of the enemy being death. Jesus came as the light of the world into the darkness and offers us a life of freedom to move away from the father of lies and all the lies, the way he manipulates your mind and the way he weakens your will. The forgiveness that he offers is ours. Let me ask you, pretty good odds, anecdotally, statistically, that no one's going on the path of being a serial killer. But let me ask you, do you, do you sleep too much? Do you eat too much? Do you drink too much? Do you lie too much? 
Do you gossip too much? Do you shop too much? Do you lust too much? In what ways are you losing a spiritual battle with the unseen forces? A third way that these fallen angels wreak havoc on us is not only do they manipulate our mind and weaken our will, but they will bully your body. Have you ever known anybody who harms themselves? Do you know or love anybody, live with anybody who has an eating disorder or someone who pulls out their hair? Do you know anybody that practices the anguish of cutting? I'm learning in pastoral counseling and talking to our partner counselors that cutting has gone from arms to legs and hips. I don't know if you know this, but hip cutting is kind of the, the new thing, the new trauma. Whether it's suicide threats or suicide attempts or suicide itself, do you know anybody who harms themselves? Y'all, there's darkness. There's darkness around us and there can be darkness uh, within us. Listen, in the scripture, it teaches two realities about the unseen world, oppression and possession. Oppression is attacks from without. It's external attacks But then there's also, those external attacks come to you and I. They come to us to discourage us, to sidetrack us, uh, to defeat us. And often they do. And leaves us emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually exhausted and incapacitated. But there's possession. A reality when evil gets in you and it works from within. I'm convinced when we look at our land that if we fall as Americans, that we don't fall from external visible forces, but we fall from internal invisible forces. And the battle is not, oh, it's a flesh and blood battle. Hey, the devil went down to Georgia looking for a soul to steal maybe a couple of weeks ago at spas in the Atlanta area. Maybe we could say the devil went down to Georgia again. And I know our battle, I know that, I know our debate, I know the airwaves, I, 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 watch, I should admit this, but I watched a little bit of Meet the Depressed before I left the house this morning. And when they talk about these things, they talk about gun control, mental health, hate crimes, gun control, mental health, hate crimes, gun control, mental health, hate crimes. All three are likely germane to this story of when the devil went down to Georgia and these Atlanta area spas, all of them. I'm not an expert on any of them. I'm just pointing you today to the darkness that exists. And everywhere the enemy goes, he brings death. What did Jesus say about this father of life? He said he came to steal, kill, and destroy. Here's what I take comfort in. That a third of the angels rebelled with Satan. They're demons and they are among us. They're not omniscient. And if you're a believer in Christ, I do not believe, as I understand the teachings of the Scripture and have experienced life itself, I do not believe that you can be possessed, but I believe that you can be oppressed. But that means if a third fell, that means two-thirds didn't. If you go out to the parking lot and you see a fight and there's two against one, you're probably going to pick the two, right? And here we are. Here's the side that Jesus gives us with our salvation in Him is we're with Him, and it's, it's two against one in God We're on his side in Christ. So I don't fear these things. I listen to C.S. Lewis and I think I don't want either one. I don't want an inordinate obsession about it. But at the same time, I don't want to neglect it. And I don't want to look past it 
to what we're seeing because yes we look at a story and we see when we can debate about gun control and hate crimes and mental health but there's a spiritual battle there's an unseen spiritual battle and it is real the the demons the enemy will want to bully your body on this holy week we invite you to come friday it's come and go from 12 noon to 6 p.m to enter into this sanctuary and music will play. There won't be a service. You don't have to hear anybody preach, but you'll be guided through prayer stations to think about historically what's historical and factual and reliable, what happened in history that changed everything. It's historical and it's factual and it's transformational. And I pray that you'll prepare your hearts for celebration next Sunday, Easter Sunday, by observing Good Friday with us if you can. Some of you have flexibility in your schedule. Some of you have a nice boss. If you need a note from the doctor, I'll tell him that you came to church to pray for 20 to 30 minutes of Friday afternoon or early evening. You'll be reminded that Jesus was bullied. Look at me, Jesus was bullied. They hit him with fists. They beat him with rods. They placed a crown of thorns in his scalpel, in his scalp. They nailed him to a cross. They put a spear in his side. And darkness thought it had won. But you know, everywhere Jesus goes, he brings life. And you know what I'm learning? What I'm partner with him? When the Holy Spirit lives within me, when I realize that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, that I bring life when I go with Jesus. When I live with him and partner with him, I bring life, hope, wholeness, health, healing, salvation. That's what we can do. The enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. Are you letting him? Is life dark for you now? Look, you can't do it on your own. Don't let him manipulate your mind to think that you can. Don't let him weaken your will to where sin goes unchecked and darkness continues and you become, in essence, your own form of monster. Jesus gives victory over the greatest weapon in the arsenal of the enemy, victory over death. Two consecutive summers when I was 22 and 23 years old, I spent the time in Belgrade, Yugoslavia, a couple of you maybe have heard me talk about this. Beautiful city, beautiful people. I fell in love. Loved being there and loved so much about it, but I knew that they were on the cusp of uh, an inward fight, a, a battle that would likely turn into a civil war. And you probably know that the, the Croatians and the Bosnians in 1991 began a civil war, and it was deadly. It was, it was neighbor like our civil war. What a terrible time in our history fighting over slavery and racism and freedom and two competing ideas of what's good and noble. And they had that uh, in this country. Here's a picture of Sarajevo. We were close to there where we live, but what a beautiful city. Now look at it. This was pre-war. I, I won't show you, since I showed you Charles Manson, I'll give you a break today and not show you the destruction of this city Neighbor against neighbor, brother against brother, bombs and bullets and sniper fire. We have walked through over a year of is it safe to go out? 
what will happen to me? And we're, we're wondering as we listen to the CDC and the FDA and the WHO and all the people, what, what about this subatomic universe of microscopic particles? And can we get hurt? Is it safe? And in this city of Sarajevo in 1991 and following, it was not safe to go out. Um, hundreds, if not thousands of people were hit with sniper fire. But this man, Vraden, Here's a man who had just had enough. Do you ever have just have enough? You ever see a situation, it's so much darkness, you don't like the disharmony, you're like, enough, I've got to do something. And this man, Vraden, put on his tuxedo, grabbed his cello and a chair, and went into the crater of a bombed-out library. Churches, schools, libraries, cemeteries, places rocked. And he starts playing Beethoven and Bach. And would you know that imminently around him, the gunfire ceased. And that some soldiers, it's all documented, it's 1991, some soldiers who ceased, uh, stopped their fire, leaned in to listen to this man play. And the next day he went from the crater, the bombed out crater of this library, to a, a cemetery that had been bombed out. And for 22 straight days, he followed the violence and fought it with his cello. An American journalist asked him, asked him the question, don't you think it's a little crazy to go outside in the middle of a war zone and play music? To which he responded this way, I think it's crazier that people want to kill one another. Can I say to you on Palm Sunday that where Jesus goes, he brings life. And where Jesus goes, he calls you and I to bring life. And he calls us to fight a spiritual battle. For our struggle, there's one of those S words, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against rulers and authorities and powers of the darkness of this world against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We worship a Savior this week who was bullied and beaten and in the darkest moment of history overcame it. Would you let me pray over you as our team comes forward? Would you today, um, in this moment of reflection, just consider how the truths of spiritual battle, how the realities of evil have and are intersecting with you, with you now, with where you are. In what ways have you been in denial? In what manner have you been cavalier, maybe lazy? To what degree are you being defeated? To what extent has darkness taken up residence in you?
Do you feel tripped up? Do you feel pushed down? Do you feel beaten up a bit where it's hard to explain some, some things about your mind and your emotions and your will and even your body? Are there manifestations in your life right now that you're being defeated? Do you feel, smell the stench of defeat and death? Every Sunday we're here in a variety of ways to remind you that salvation is greater than sin, that life is greater than death, and that what we see is not all there is. God, thank you for this high and holy week, for a Savior who came and fought, who bled and died, who prior to that told his disciples at the beginning of this holy week that we look back some 2,000 plus years and observe and appreciate, who told his disciples to stay in the garden and pray and lo and behold, like us, they lost focus and they grew weary and they fell asleep in the declaration that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that Savior would in turn be a couple of days away from praying let this cup pass from me nevertheless not my will but your will be done God today we worship you and we thank you I thank you for defeating death and darkness and Lord my heart is burdened it's burdened for our families and burdened for the reality of our lives for the woundedness and the damage, the mental and emotional toil that it's taking. And God, we wanna celebrate next week. We wanna raise our voices and celebrate the goodness of our Savior. And God, give us appreciation of the battle that we're in, an acknowledgement of the reality of our sin. We don't have to worry about serial killers probably, but we need to worry about a gradual, slow decline. A letting our guard down and not being in the fight. We sing to you today, Lord, as we close, one who has fought and won for us.